0: Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker and certified financial planner Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner and a personal finance author. We've got some great topics this week. We're going to talk about what Jerome Powell said at the Fed annual meeting this year in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We're going to look at some new rules about the taxation of digital assets. We're going to talk about why it's important to play defense in your financial football And then in the Ask Peggy segment, I'm going to remind you of the upcoming tax due dates. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears market and economic update. This is for the week ending August 25th, 2023. And August really isn't shaping up to be a great week in the market. Now, I won't be doing a live show on Labor Day week because everything is closed the day that I generally tape. But I will be providing some summary information about how the markets did in August in my first live show in September. And it really hasn't been great, but we talked about that last week. Remember that everyone's on vacation in August, whether you're on the East Coast, whether you're in Europe, all of the big players are on vacation. And in that spirit, the Dow was down yet again last week, about half a percent. But the S&P 500 broke with that and closed up about 0.8%. And the NASDAQ did even better, up to a quarter percent. Gold was also up 1.3%. And West Texas Intermediate Crude front month price down 1.66%. That price per barrel is now $80.05. The 10-year Treasury yield closed down a little at 1.82%. Its current rate is 4.234%. The dollar was up about six-tenths of a percent, and Bitcoin was almost flat. It's down 0.04%. The current price there is $26,153. So, Let's talk about what Jerome Powell said this week in Jackson Hole, because to my way of looking at it, it's the most interesting news of the week. Remember that a lot of what went wrong in the markets last year was a combination of the unexpected war in Ukraine, which led to the crazy inflation, which led to the Fed tightening rates, which caused both stocks and bond funds to drop at the same time. Then this year, we've had some issues with rating agencies, specifically Fitch, downgrading some American, well, both the American economy in general, as well as a few banks. We've talked about that in detail in earlier um, episodes as well, where a lot of people, including Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, do not know why Fitch chose this point to lower, because really, economically, everything is quite robust. And unemployment still stays just remarkably low. The actual wage that people are earning is going up. So things are rocking along quite well, and it would have been possible for Jay Powell to say, no, inflation is still at 3%, not 10, but 3, we wanted it to, we're going to continue to raise. What he said instead of that is they're watching the economic conditions closely And they haven't decided yet whether they're going to pause at their next meeting, where they raise rates in September, or whether they're going to head and raise it another quarter of a percent. He was pretty sanguine in his comments. He did not sound worried about where things were. He's continuing to take a strict line that, yes, we're going to keep our inflation under control, which, you know, that's one of his two jobs is controlling inflation. The other is making sure that unemployment isn't too high, and unemployment's great. So he has to have his full attention right now on inflation. But because rates went up on their own, there's a really good chance that the Fed will pause raising rates in September. Because rates went up when Fitch did some of their downgrades and some of their threatenings of downgrades. So we're going to have to wait and see. He is saying that right now, interest rates are high enough to be restrictive. And that makes sense, right? Compared to the unbelievable easy, um, the easy borrowing environment that we've been in when the Fed rate for the 10-year Treasury is 4.2%, that carries over into much higher mortgage rates, much higher credit card rates, and business loan rates. Remember that part of what happens is when businesses can't borrow money easily they can't expand. When businesses can't expand, they can't hire new people. And so there is now a drag on the economy that Powell is admitting to. And I'm not sure I've seen him be quite that blunt about it before. I'd have to go back and check my notes, but he was pretty direct that rates are high enough right now. They're working on things. And remember They're operating under the assumption that they will get inflation down because there's less demand and there's less demand because people can't afford it. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that me personally, okay, just speaking for myself, certainly not the Fed, certainly not wherever you're listening to this, I think that underlying assumption has been wrong from the beginning. Now, I don't mind that they raised rates for a while, but I think the crisis that we had was the Chinese supply chain disruptions and the increase in the price of oil because of what Russia did last year. And both of those things all by themselves made it more expensive to get stuff. You know, we like our cheap products from China as a society. We like our cheap oil that comes through Russia, which then goes, even if it just goes to Europe, it raises the price of European goods that we import. So we sort of fought a monster that wasn't completely our fault. I've said it before. I, I still completely believe it. The good news is we've raised the rates without tanking the economy. I I know things are difficult. Things are always difficult. But overall, unemployment is down wages are going up everything seems to be rocking along hopefully the fed will take another pause because i want this to percolate through i don't want them to get ahead of the game at this point and raise rates in a way that damages things a year from now because there's always such a lag between their actions and the reactions But we'll just have to wait and see. So the next interesting Fed date will be in September in the 19th and 20th meeting when we see whether or not they raise rates. And I'll report to you guys after that. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And if you've been investing in cryptocurrency because you thought your transactions were invisible to the United States government, you need to think again. They haven't been invisible for a very, very long time. And now the Treasury Department and the IRS are requiring more transparency. Now, They've had to report this information for a long time, but there haven't been good rules about how the taxation should work. And as a result, most of the people purchasing crypto haven't really been doing it because they thought the dollar was going to fall off the face of the earth. They've been doing it because it's been really easy not to pay your fair share of taxes on the profit that you're making. In fact, there's an estimate that when this new proposal goes into place, it's going to raise up to $28 billion in additional revenue over a 10-year period because people aren't paying taxes on the money that they're making through cryptocurrency and other digital currency transactions. Now, it's really important to know that this is not just crypto legislation. It's also DEFI, DeFi, which are stable coins and anything related to stable coins. It's also NFTs, non-fungible tokens, usually digital artwork that people buy. So this new rule is going to apply to absolutely everyone and what's going to happen is the platforms are going to be treated as brokers in the traditional investment sense of the word and they're going to be required to report the buys and sells the capital gains and losses just like stock and bond brokers have to do to the IRS. And there will be a new tax form that you'll receive, just like you receive a W-2 for your income or 1099 interest or 1099 dividend or a document showing your long-term and short-term capital gains, the IRS is going to get that just like they do on every other transaction that's considered an investment. This is going to go into place after January 1st, 2025, and the basis is going to be added in 2026. Now, it sounds like I'm super deep in the weeds, but you need to know this. Because in 2025, if you sell a digital asset, you're going to have to prove how much your basis was. So what did you pay for it? What did you sell it for? If you made money, the amount you paid for it will come off of your profits. If you lost money then you still need to know the basis to know how much money you lost. If you don't have your basis in 2025 because they're not requiring the companies to provide it until 2026, you're going to be on the hook for the entire amount of money. Now, before people get really mad about that, for a very long time, traditional investments of stocks, bonds, mutual funds worked exactly the same way. It was up to the purchaser to keep up with the purchase price and have something to provide proof of that when they filed their taxes. In the more recent past, the companies are now required to provide the basis to the IRS so that it's easier for the owner to know what the tax liability is and there's less paperwork for them to keep up with. But for 2025, it's going to be just like old school regular investing and you'd better have your basis or the amount of the sale will be reported to the IRS, and you will have to pay taxes on all of it. Starting in 2026, your record keeping is going to get a lot easier. But since they're cracking down on it, the reason I'm spending the time on it in as much detail as I am is, this could really hurt people. So it's up to you to figure out right now what you need to do in order to keep up with that data, how to pull everything together, If you're thinking about moving from one trading platform to another, make sure you get all that basis information from your first trading platform before you move it. Or if you want to cash out of your account and go do something else with the money, make sure you get that basis information. It will be wherever your investments currently are. Okay, so wherever you bought it from, they're going to have record that you bought it, and they will probably have that for some time, but it's going to be up to you to get it and keep up with it. And if it was me dealing with this, now, I don't own crypto, okay? I'm I'm not really into the whole digital currency investing. You know that if you're a longtime listener to the show. But if you are, you need to make sure you've got that information because there's been a lot of cheating and a lot of fraud going on in this world and we've um the IRS wants to get a hold of it. I have no issue with that. You know, if people want to buy digital currency, if they want to buy crypto, if they want to buy non-fungible tokens, if they want to buy stable coins, that, that's fine. That that's completely your business. But you should pay the tax on the capital gain because that's not fair because all the rest of us and other kinds of investments have to pay that tax. It won't hurt people to pay the tax on it. And here's the good news. If you lost money on something, now you can deduct that from your taxes as well. So as this comes more into being, I'll keep you guys up with it. And in the meantime, save your data. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And if you listened to last week's show, you know I've started a three-part series on how your finances are like a game of football. If you want to listen to last week's and you missed it on the radio, remember that these shows are available on my podcast, which is called Ask Peggy About Your Money. And I changed the name from the radio show because there will be additional episodes on the podcast other than the radio show. But I needed a nice, stable, every week podcast because I do a lot of writing and I manage a business. So I needed a weekly podcast piece of data. So the radio show works really well. And I've had people ask where they can listen to it. So it's on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcast. It's called Ask Peggy About Your Money. And last week, I talked about how you have offensive components to your financial football game. But we all know that games are not actually won on offense. They're won on defense. And there's a number of defensive financial moves that will help ensure your financial stability. The first one is creating an emergency fund. and You've heard this before from me, but I have to say that after COVID, I'm a little bit more hardcore about emergency funds than I was before. Before COVID, if someone had a stable job and it was in a recognized industry and they'd done it for a long time and they were good at it and it wasn't highly specialized, I wanted them to have an emergency fund, but I wasn't as worried about it. What I discovered is that entire industries that you would never expect to close could shut down. You know, if someone's been in the food industry and they're great at it and they've got a good job and they've had it for a long time, then it makes a lot of sense that even if the restaurant closed, right, they could go out and get another job if they're good at their job. However, we learned in COVID, the entire restaurant industry across the entire country could close. That's an emergency. So I am strongly encouraging people, you know, saving it a little bit at a time, that whole saving two weeks of your bills at a time, my two-week emergency fund plan that then you repeat over and over again until you have a substantial emergency fund I'm a little bit more set on that, even for people with great jobs that they've done for a long time. So if you don't have an emergency fund, and I really want you to have six months of your bills, and I know most of you don't have that right now, but I'd like you to start working towards it. So if you have some saved, that's great. And if you don't, just look out for the fact that things can go wrong, and we call them emergencies because we don't see them coming. A second defensive strategy is realizing you're going to die. And boy, that's not a very fun thing for me to throw out in the middle of a radio show or a podcast, but you are. And I have seen firsthand the crisis that can happen when people don't have adequate life insurance. I know some people are fundamentally opposed to it. And I know some insurance agents have oversold insurance, oversold the amount that people need. But it's very important to work with a financial planner. And then your insurance need is very much like your retirement need. You have to calculate how much that person will need while the kids are young. You have to calculate how much money you want to have available for kids to go to secondary education, to college, or post-secondary education, not high school. I'm talking about college or VOTEC. Then the most critical part of the insurance need is that period when the kids are out of the house, but the spouse is still too young to get retirement benefits, So you've got to have enough insurance so that spouse can have adequate cash flow until they retire. Because even if you have great retirement savings, they're not going to be able to access it without a penalty until they're 59 and a half. And then the last piece is how much you need during retirement. Here's a trick. If your insurance need ends at a certain period of time, so maybe you're good until retirement or you're not good until retirement, after retirement, you're fine, then term life might make a lot of sense. If they need the money while the kids are little, but then their own career is substantial, term life might make some sense. But if that need continues, that's when you need whole life. I know whole life gets a bad rep and it gets a bad rep because it's been sold so badly. However, there are people who have permanent insurance needs. You need to work with a certified financial planner practitioner, figure out your life insurance need, and buy the policy that makes sense. Then, of course, the final defensive move is creating your estate plan. People who are great with their money don't want to create estate plans because I think nobody really wants to think about dying. You need to work with an estate attorney. Don't just go online and download something. You're going to need a power of attorney for health care and finance in case you're incapacitated and somebody else has to do things for you. You're probably going to want an advanced directive or living will in case you are incredibly ill. What kind of heroic measures do you want? Remember, living wills are not moral documents. You can want the hydration, the nutrition, and the ventilator. You just need to say so. And then finally, you'll need a will. You may need a trust. You'll want to look at all of your beneficiaries to make sure you haven't gotten a divorce and the wrong person is inheriting your things. Take some time. Those three steps are going to put you in really great defensive shape so that Combined with your offense, you've got a much better chance of being the winner in your financial football game, except there's one last piece we're going to talk about next week, and that's your special teams. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I'd like to start out telling you where I'm going to be in September. On September 4th, I'm going to be in Oklahoma City at the Renaissance Waterford at the Reader Con at the Sisters in Crime booth. Remember that I am published in Personal Finance Nonfiction, but I'm also working on a cozy mystery series. So more about that when I have more news. Nevertheless, I will be at the Sisters in Crime booth at the ReaderCon, on the 4th at the Renaissance Waterford. If you would like to meet Oklahoma authors, it's a fantastic place to go. They'll sign your books. They'll talk to you. It's a really neat event. On September 11th, I will be speaking and signing at Magic City Books in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that will be at seven o'clock at night. And I'm really excited to have been invited to Magic City Books because it's such a neat independent bookstores. All independent bookstores are fabulous and we need to support them because they provide so much enrichment to our community. And then on the 16th, I will be speaking at the Sepulpa Public Library. That'll be at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I will, again, be speaking and signing there. I'm really excited. The people in Sepulpa are lovely. The librarians are lovely. If you haven't checked them out, they are always doing cool things. So follow their social media because there's lots of neat stuff going on. If you'd like to submit a question to the show... Go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and you'll find a link to submit your question. Remember, I'm never going to tell you what you should buy or sell, so you're never going to get the hot stock tip from me, but I'm going to try to help you understand what things mean, and what the rules are, and what the current trading and economic environment is like. So you can make your own decisions using your own financial professionals. But I wanted to start out by reminding you today, so this is kind of a combination of a series of questions that I get. So we're talking about end-of-year taxes. And when you listen to this show, it's going to be really close to the end of August, Remember, if you're a business owner and you filed for an extension way back in March, it's September and your business taxes are due absolutely positively by the 15th of September or you'll get in trouble for not having filed them. If you filed for a personal extension, you have an extra month and that runs you until October 15th. If you pay quarterly taxes, then that deadline is also coming up at the end of September. I can't believe the third quarter of 2023 is almost over. But there's another thing that I want you to be aware of that's an end of your tax planning strategy that can really help you out a lot. So maybe you have a regular job where they withhold taxes from your paycheck, right? W-2 income. Maybe you also have a secondary job where they don't withhold taxes. So maybe you're a musician or maybe you're a writer. And so you get this income during the year and you need to pay taxes and you haven't been making quarterly payments. So the IRS doesn't like it if you've earned a lot of money and you haven't paid it in evenly over the course of the year. That's why people file quarterly taxes. But a lot of people don't get that right. So there's a fix. If you get a salary and you have tax withheld from your salary, you can change the amount withheld to account for your extra income from your other job. And the IRS will count it as having been paid in evenly during the year. But it's already too late for your September paycheck, probably. If you get paid twice a month, maybe you can get the second half of September. Maybe you need to figure this all out and get everything in place for October. You have three months of paychecks that you can have additional tax withheld from and it will be counted as though you paid it in evenly. I had to use this strategy when I got large sums of money at weird times after my husband died. And I hadn't paid anything evenly because for a really long time, I hadn't gotten any money at all. Then when it came in, it came in huge, giant chunks. So because I pay myself a salary in my financial planning firm, I withheld extra tax. And the IRS was thrilled. I didn't have any issues. I didn't get in any trouble. I hadn't underpaid my tax. I didn't mess up my next year's tax withholding because I didn't pay in enough the previous year. It worked incredibly well. But if you're going through an HR department, you don't have unlimited time to get this organized. So you need to figure out if you have a tax liability, how much that tax liability is, contact HR and get them to up your tax withholding. That way you'll have paid in as much as you're supposed to. Everyone will be happy. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at Peggydoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.